Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. I can tell you all this. I have I have spoke to so many people after this event that said, y'all were having problems? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, hey, no way. I dude. said, the, I swear to God, yeah, I but- talked to a pile of them and one of them, the only, there were four or five of them. They said, yeah, we weren't, we weren't too sure what happened on the, on the poker run. I said, I explained to them and I, they go, but you go, but everybody was gathered up in the lake. Everybody was kind of hanging out, doing their thing. He goes, it was perfect. Every, you know, yeah. we didn't we didn't notice if there was a problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I caught a couple people like just earshot, listen to them. They're like, "Man, stop one and two. I don't know what happened there, but this is a blast." I'm like, <laughs> it's like as hey, long as you're having fun, everybody everybody well, loved it though. We so, had we had 127 on the run, of which 121 we know paid. Which actually is not bad, considering it wasn't. You yeah. know, we had people coming up, and you just couldn't, we had no way to cross check them. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Sid, before we get too far into this or any further, if you could not wear your spot into the side of that table tonight, like you do all every time I have you, we love the death. Did I hit my hand. Yeah, you, you, oh. talk, you, you, you know when we I'm go Italian, to, I can't help it. Bro. <laughs> hit, hit the chair. I'll hit myself in the nerds every time. <laughs> hit the chair. Uh, but no, but see, I've gotten a ton of positive feedback. Everybody was had a blast, and they're like, "You're doing this again next year, right?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, probably." <laughs> it's a, it's, uh, it's it just, and in all fairness to everybody in here and to everybody that helped, none of us imagined that's what was going to happen. Nobody did. I did. No, no. You know, when we, when, I mean, at, at Thursday when I printed the master list for the poker run. And I made all the the charts, you know, for everything to be filled out. By Friday morning, it was at 96, and we had 64 the night before. And then the day of, so between 96 and 64, we had to write those names on there. Yeah. And then that's why the printer ID and all that, we usually have one. I don't know why we didn't have one to bring them in. But to be able to print that list out again helps. But at the same time, it was... It was crazy. The the 127 people and have to handwrite 
64, you know, 63 more people in on a list. It's like, but, and I thought Matt heard me when I said, we'll let you know when it's time to go. So don't get in a hurry. We're going to hang out here for a couple minutes. And I started walking away because I, I was putting a fire out over there. But yeah. yeah. And I hear him go, all right, well, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, start your motors. And I'm like, Never I was mind. still checking people in. <laughs> like, yeah. We still had we had like we, we still had like four people we were checking in when they're people running in the line. Boats. I'm like, yeah, people gonna in work. line, and I was like, I walked yeah. back over, and Matt goes, "Did I mess that up?" And I said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did." And I said, "But they're blaming me, so you're good." <laughs> so uh, Jimmy made a point that that one of the two things that we need to separate is stage and time, yeah. and. Uh, and yeah. Realistically, yeah, instead of having we it as a have start there. time, have it as a staging time. Right. right. Yeah. Realistically, we could have got away with starting at 10 instead of trying to shoot for 9. I shot early for 9 because I knew it would probably be 10 <laughs> before we got out of there. Yeah. But we still managed to get them out of there by like quarter to 10, 9.30, quarter to 10. Yeah, yeah people were pulling away, the and there were still people at the ramp putting boats in. Yeah. 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 I'd say it's 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. And everything that didn't, for a first-time event, I mean, it went pretty dang smooth. Yeah. The crawfish side was flawless. Oh, yeah. Mike. Mike's like, call me. I'll be back next year. He yeah. already told yeah. me that. He said, you guys are rock. A little he bit. It was awesome. A little bit of adjustment so we can print out, have everybody register. So that right. way we also don't wind up with number 33 and number 92, right. three pages deep. And, you know, so right. that everybody's in the same boat. Their numbers are all in the same boat. Yeah. And then just send them back around to actually get their numbers. So register, then hand out numbers. Correct. Have the boat guys go out to their spots, send a runner out with the actual list. Correct. And give the runner a head, five or ten minute head start on the pack. Right. And then when the runner feels comfortable that he's going to get them all out before anybody actually hits the stops, just let the runner call back in and say send them. Well, that's what Jody and was supposed to do. Then we're perfect. Jody yeah, was but we, didn't, we just didn't know. Five. We just didn't know. And awesome. then Dallas, my buddy Dallas, he was stop four. He stopped a mile past where the actual bus spot was. And I call him, I'm like, Dallas, where are you at? He goes, oh, um, I'm a few hundred yards from where I was supposed to be, but there's a bathroom here, so everybody can go to the bathroom. It's a good thing. And I'm like, that's a good idea. I said, but the mark was another mile behind you. And he goes, what? (laughs) So did you guys change it or no? Did it it stay that way? Oh, yeah, he stayed right there. He stayed think, right there, and people, people probably got just to use eventually it. found him. Do you yeah. think people actually did use the restroom? Yeah, he said. He said it. He goes, there "Ladies, was, there was a bunch of people getting out and using the bathroom." Cool. And I'm like, "Hmm, I just peed in the lake." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did too. We it, it worked out really well because, like, at stop three, we got uh, what was his uh, Joey? Joey. Stop three, we got in. We got yeah. Joey and them set up, and he was able to set anchors. Yeah. And then I was standing. Until I realized, or I was in the boat until I realized that everybody was pulling up and kind of parking away and walking to Joey. And I was like, yeah, this is perfect because yeah, it doesn't, nice. you, you don't get people trying to uh, running into right. a boat. You don't have boats running into Yeah, I said it worked out because stuff. people, even after they got their carts, they, their, their boat stayed parked and they just stood in the water and hung yeah. out. I was like, yeah, perfect, man. Awesome. I, it's, it's, and it was like I said in the beginning of it, I was like, the first stop is the nightmare because everybody's hauling butt to get up there to it. 
And then they're all standing around looking at each other, and everybody's twirling around with their boats and doing whatever. But They just went swimming, man. They looked like they were having a blast. Oh, David Causey and his family wrestling out in the middle of the lake. <laughs> yeah. His, the, 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 his so daughter, there was an actual wrestling match. Yes, there was, an oh, okay. a, there was a wrestling match. So his two boys attacked David, and his daughter, the one that was doing pulling tickets, she was defending her dad, and – she wrestles with them two big old boys all the time. I mean, they're just a phenomenal family. You know, David, little controlling of Emerald Marsh, but, <laughs> but yeah. But the whole the whole thing is they're still a phenomenal family. He's a good dude. Both him and his wife are cancer survivors. You know, mm. they're they're first responders. He has had he has been literally been cut all the way around his body to remove cancerous materials and stuff like that. And he's still out there running around, you know, wrestling with his kids and doing what he does, you know, and that's as, as a person to begin with, it's, it's pretty phenomenal regardless of his duck hunting stuff. So, so I thought it was pretty funny that me and William before boats and everything lots, were standing there talking to, we we're BSing about something with David and he points at my hat and he's like, you two would probably know. He was like, what, I, I've been looking for where are the under pressure outdoors guys? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I love about David. Is he, I was like, <laughs> I'm one, yeah. I'm one. you're looking at him. Little do you know, you just found him. Yeah. 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 Probably ought to get him in for a show. Yeah, we well, should. I still, I still think we got to, uh, we got to come up for a nickname for Briar. Mm. <laughs> crash didn't work. Crash. No, or, the, the uh, problem yeah. is. Briar tried to be the star of the show before it ever started. Oh, he, <laughs> he's like, problem. what about me? Here, no. let me just flip my boat. Okay, so okay, but listen. Me, today. We discussed, me and Briar discussed this yesterday. Jim jinxed him. Yes. If you listen because to the, last, the uh, one the that's out. that came out. Was it, it, it'd be two weeks Monday? ago when this comes out. It so, came out the week before the crawfish boil. Yeah. Or Jim after. was like, Jordan's going to crash Briar's boat. And then, lo and behold, Jordan Start, never got a chance. That's how the podcast started. Briar crashed Briar's boat. <laughs> wow. The boat still got crashed. That's what happened. <laughs> I'm just thankful you two are okay. That's that's the main yeah. goal. Everything that's the else bottom line. Yeah. yeah, William's like, Briar crashed his boat. And I said, like, you know, crash crashed or like stuck crashed. He's like, well, he was out of breath. And Lexi was doing the talking. I was like, oh. listen, I knew it was bad when Briar called me. I'm still driving to the Jolly Gator. Yeah. I answered the phone. I said, hello. I said, what's going on? Silence. Hello. And then Lexi started talking. I went, oh, shit. <laughs> Something's wrong. We wrecked the boat. I said, you did what? Do you need airlift? <laughs> and then here com- like, yeah, here comes Briar. Uh, wait, I flipped my boat. I said, are you okay? We're all right. I said, Okay. Where are you at? Uh, we're past the Jolly Gator. I said, is Jim following you? Because I thought originally you guys were going to put in down the road and, and drive up in the boats. Yeah. No. And I'm like, well, let me try and make a phone call and get somebody coming to you. <laughs> I'd already called Jim before I called you because I knew he was putting his boat in the water. That was thought the great call because, you know, Briar is so polite. So the phone call comes and he's like, hey, man, how you doing? But I could tell because his voice, he's breathing a little hard. He's like, I'm like, I'm good, man. I'm running a little behind. He's like, and he's like, all right, all right. Um, where, where are you going to put in? And I was like, well, I think I'm going to put in at Mullet Lake. Come on down. And there's this conversation, but, he, but he's animated. And finally he's like, well, I need your help desperately. And I'm like, what'd you do? 
<laughs> then I got the picture. I was like, ooh. <laughs> but he, he's so polite, aside from the fact that there's obviously something amiss. It was yeah. in his voice. You know, I was waiting, like, waiting for the, what's your question behind the question, Briar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, it, it, I was driving, and, and I get this picture, and I go, what the? Because I knew it was your boat as soon as yeah. I saw it. And and then I get the call, hey, where are you at? And I said, well, I'm almost a Jolly Gator. And they go, um, where's Chance at? And I said, he's behind me. I said, I don't know when he's coming. And I think it may have been Jim that called me. And I said, but I'll be there in a few minutes. I said, I've got Matt's boat. I said, what you need? And he goes, well, we got to figure out what we're going to do with Briar. And I get there, and thank God they'd already sent a team down there to get to him to get him flipped over. Yeah, you know? I had, so luckily the on-the-fly jack plate guys were staying 10 minutes down the road. So the first phone call I made was to John Wood, which is the owner on the fly. And I was like, listen, man, where are you guys at? He's like, we're on our way. And I said, sweet. Soon as you get here, I sent you an Onyx pen. I need you to go to this Onyx pen. I said, Briar Crouch's boat. I don't know. At that point, I hadn't seen the picture. I said, I don't know how bad it is, but they're okay. And he's like, all right. So they put their boats in, and all them ran straight, straight to right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jody beat them there after he put Yeah, because yeah, Jody, Jody put in right after I think after I was got. talking to you. Because well. you're like... Or no, we were conferenced, and I hear him go, Jody, and you can hear the boat. <laughs> in, in the on-the-fly on guy's defense and John's defense, John was still uh, a little bit into the night before when he got there. Yeah. He introduced himself to me twice that morning. He's like, John, I met you last night before we left. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have we did some and networking. ten minutes ago. Yeah. We did some networking with them the night before. So Chance Chance shows me pictures of when y'all are over there with Jody. Yeah, and all of a sudden you see Joey and the kid that was with him in the boat. They're oh, popping beer uh, cans and they're shotgunning beer cans in between. I'm like, we're never gonna get the right cards handed out. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'm like, what's shotgun beer cans? So you take it, turn it sideways. Uh huh. You poke a hole in the top of it, and you you. Click the the open for the where you normally drink it out of. You gonna show you, him, Jim? You you suck it down as fast oh, as you can. Jim's about oh, to no, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn! Don't know how to do it in here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you absolutely. That's how you shotgun beer. Down. Yeah. There you go. As he you just want covered to make everybody a, in the studio. If you didn't want to make a giant mess of it, you can tilt it more on an angle about like. This where the air pockets yeah. in there and it just blows the air out like you got you. instead of straight side. Normally it goes a lot faster than what Jim's doing it too, but he's out of practice. So it's a little hole, and it all went to foam. Oh, you uh, made a tiny, <laughs> tiny hole. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't make the oh, hole big man. enough. Yeah. There might still be some in there. Jim, there definitely a, some in there. What a way to be a demonstration, yeah. man! I'm That's telling. What I love about you. Yeah. Normally it would be like a thumb-sized hole because you'd poke it and shove your thumb in it. And yeah. And then drink it. Keep the pressure. But I did uh, notice. Somebody I, started I, I whining about the table getting wet. I will give it to those guys because they probably deserved a shotgun a couple beers. Yeah. Because it was those two yeah. running 127 people coming through that stop. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So before yeah. we get any further into this, let me tell you who we got around the table. I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got, <laughs> that was, I got Jim in here with me tonight. Yes, sir. I got Briar. How y'all doing? I got Jordan. I'm here. Let's get it. I've got Sid Tyson with Tyson. Fast Duck Motors. Yep. It's me. You one and only. Sorry. We got Chino with a Christian Adventure Network or Tin Can. <laughs> Batista. So, and we're talking <laughs> the Crawfish Bowl now that's behind us. And uh, it was 
I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it was probably the most <clears throat> the most fun I've had at that event in the, it, since its inception, for sure. Yeah. It's been, I mean, you guys have done it every year. And for, what, three years now, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, this was the third and year. Mm-hmm. This was the third year. In the last two years, I think you've been making the donations, the money raised to Tin Can from the event. Well, first year was BHA. Yeah, last yeah, year was that's Tin what it was. Yeah. it was. Yeah, last year was Tin Can, and then this year was Tin Can. But I don't think, and I think I even alluded to it when we were doing the podcast the night that we talked about having you guys do the poker run with your thing. I said, I don't think. I told Jim, maybe I said, I don't think everybody's fully aware of what's about to happen to him. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we were not. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, like I said, every year is you learn something every year. You don't, you don't quit learning until you die. I don't care who you are. So from a team perspective, having done a few of these, <clears throat> you know, it's just kind of a nature, man. You get 10 people in there and, there's going to be a couple of, of folks that kind of look at their job like well, I'm part of the committee, and they think that just being on the calls is that. Yeah, like that's we pretty much studs top to bottom, man. Everybody raised money, went and got gear, showed up and worked the event. Um, on each weekly call, there was positive input from anybody, everybody, and I don't know. We didn't. I don't remember any arguments, right? It was pretty much organic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and what was so for me? What was so cool about the group that we had was that we could have tough conversations, and nobody got their feelings hurt. Everybody could discuss it, and you could say, "Okay, this is it," and then, "Okay, I'm going to take control of it," or whatever. You know what I mean? And that's that was kind of the the cool thing. I was really glad when Tino came on board, you know, because he kind of was like the the level head that kept everybody on track. <laughs> it was like you he know. was, man. And and that's why I enjoyed having him on there. And then you guys have the enthusiasm and the the you know, get the word out and you're on Facebook and you're doing all that stuff. You know, we all all had a role, in other words, is what I I felt like anyhow, you know. I remember early on into the into our conversations in regards to the poker run and some of the issues that we faced with not having the old location, you know, and what they were doing and yeah, right. how this happened or whatever. I don't want to get too much into that. But my question to you guys is, now that you did it, you know, has, have your perspective changed in what may have been taken from you? The greatest thing that ever happened, man, was, yeah, was, I was, yeah. I was said say you can't I, play going out to the Jolly Gator. They were yeah. Oh, 100%. They were 12 out of 10, man. Are you kidding me? They, they were, were great. great. Yeah. Dude, the Jolly Gator allowed us to ha- use the place for free and then bought 16 tickets on top of that. And yeah. won a shotgun. Oh, did they win a shotgun? Yeah, man. The owner awesome. of the Jolly Gator is the guy that walked away with the, yep, uh, he won it. the SP- SXP. Yep. Sorry, dog. SPX, whatever it is. Yeah. No, I, like I said, dude, we could not have asked for a better partner with Jolly Gator for a location. And it's to me that was nothing short of divine intervention, seriously. Because we we had no clue where we were going to be. Right. And when you, I think it was Jim that 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 said, "Let's talk to Jolly Gator," or you know, we were coming up with prospective spots. But when when they stepped up and said, "Here you go," and then radio commercials and all this stuff that came along with that, you know, I think Matt was part of that when he interviewed with them and just. Like I said, there were so many aspects that went very, very well in a short amount of time. 
we started this in the middle of January, end of January, I think. Yeah. And in in less than five months, you know, we raised a lot of money and did a lot of good. Yeah. You know, there's always some stuff that goes wrong, but it's not the end of the world. And that was kind of like none of us weren't weren't like, oh my God, we don't have a place where it's going to be, and you know, everybody loses their mind over it. You know, like okay, well, let's just find another one. You know, and I I pay that to respect to the guys that have been in the military. They've been taught their whole time in the military that you adapt and you overcome, you know, you got, you just make it happen no matter what. And that's kind of the attitude that we had through all of this, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I loved about that. It was pretty cool. We definitely had a solid group of, uh, just problem solvers. Yeah. I think that worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had my doubts there the, when we were, we were getting close to it about you know, why I was watching that forecast like a hawk. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. day. Stupid, yeah. ever just the piled under great. the tent. Well, it only rained for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Something and then like it was that. done. It was yeah. like yeah. there and then it was gone. Yeah. And after that, it was great. It, was, it wasn't insanely hot the whole time. Mm-mm. No. Dude, the only time that I really became like a chicken with its head cut off was when... I showed up to get the tent set up and then realized that we didn't actually have an area to set the tent up. Yeah, that was a little rough. <laughs> yeah, the area thought, turns out to be their septic area. They didn't want us to put it on the septic tank. Yeah. yeah. But it turns so. out to be a better location. Right. Yeah. So. And uh, so the tent guys showed up and me and Briar had figured out where the tent was, origi- where it got set up. It was where me and Briar figured it needed to get set. And there, the tent guys were like, I don't know. Like, you know how that back, there was a little bit of a hill on the backside. Yeah. And they were like, I don't know if we can set it on the hill. And I just kind of just gave them like, I don't know if I can set it on the hill. And I was like, man, you know, if it doesn't get set on the hill, it's really going to suck. You know, I just kind of gave them this kind of sad spiel about pretty much saying it, the tent has to go here. Right. Hey, them guys made it work. Yeah. And then uh, I said, I tell you what, you guys lay your thing out and me and Briar are going to go get a chainsaw to cut cut the trees to make this work and he was like ah yeah we're gonna lay our stuff out and it took what probably took us an hour honestly between waiting and eights and everything it was 40 yeah, minutes about all that yeah it, we were on the, about an hour. on the way back i told briar said i hope that they have so much set up that it's become too cumbersome to move and it was <laughs> you know, it was, to move at that point so it got set up where it was going back to the jolly nice. gator being great you know a lot of places like well we got to trim some trees and well, for, fortunately, the trees that they trimmed were crepe myrtles, right. and the jolly gator oh, we was like, "Well, we got to." Oh, well, the jolly gator when they said we got to trim trees, they're like, "Trim them." Uh, and then, <laughs> and then when they were done, when the crepe myrtles were trimmed, they came out and thanked us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I said something to Chantel's husband about it. He's like, "Man, if you guys needed trees trimmed, he's like, I ought to come and trim trees long before the tent ever got here." And I said, "Well, that's kind of on us because we didn't." We didn't show up and try to figure it out prior to the event. I said, had we, we, we could have handled that. Yeah, they but, were great. Well, like I said, where that was, perfect. The tent yeah. was perfect. I mean, the way they did the bathrooms, I thought that was going to be a little odd, but nope. That it was perfect. Out. I mean, seriously, it all. Yeah, where the crawfish trailer sat was perfect. Yeah, we were blessed top to bottom. Even though we got just a little bit of rain, as that front was coming in, though, <clears throat> It blew the wind underneath the tent. So, I mean, just just oh, enough was, cloud cover, the tent, the wind. I mean, nobody was sweating. Yeah. yeah it's a Florida breeze, event. It you know, you, yeah. Yeah. We, it was, oh, 
The good Lord kicked on the AC for us underneath there. Basically. Yeah, like, it right. was nice underneath yeah. there. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel. From business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters. We all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamis.com that's r-o-m-a-n at r-o-m-a-n v-h-a-m-m-e-s dot com offices Florida and South Carolina One or another. So with everything that you guys are saying, you know, tent was perfect, location was perfect, everything was perfect. Um, forecasting for next year, I would say you don't necessarily have to even increase the amount of attendees. Correct. All you have to increase is the amount of output, financial output and support of those attendees in order to raise more funds when it comes to um, uh, raffle tickets and, and all of that other stuff. and uh, We'll have that dialed in a little bit. A lot of people wanted those rifles, and we didn't. Yeah. We didn't maximize on those, but that was, again, we didn't even think we were going to have to. It's just, yeah. there's it some things you just one. don't know how it's going to happen until you're there. And nope. then after you do it, you know what works, you know what can be done better, and next year it'll be that much better, and next year we'll find something new that could be better, and it's just how events move Continue forward. Continue to improve year yeah. on year. Yeah. Me and Will kind of talked about the raffle. And I think, like, <clears throat> so you know how we had the tiers? You still have the tiers, but you have, like, a bucket. for the, You buy so many tickets for that tier, right? And then you have a bucket for each item. And you drop. Right. They, you could individualize they would have to it t- if you wanted it to. Yeah. They'd have to tear their own mm-hmm. tickets apart and put tickets in each bucket for right. what they wanted. Correct. You yeah. know what I mean? Pre-printed books of tickets. Yeah. Right. So that way we're not counting the tickets. Say this, this book costs 50 bucks. This book costs a hundred. This book costs two fifty. Correct. Maybe on the two fifty, you have some, you have to get in there and have some really top tier killer items that if you don't buy that book, you can't even get in. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure that out later on, but I talked to the guys from echo. They said, see, we're all in next year when you get ready to do it. He says, let's do, because I've got some good ideas for, you know, different things. And I was like, the big thing that I think that might help, you know, like with corporate sponsors and DU events, you know, with your table, you get 
uh, a decoy for each person or one decoy for the table or, you know what I mean? There's other incentives that are on there. And that's, again, if we'd have had less, more than five months of planning, <laughs> we could have come up <laughs> with a better idea there. But we, he said, he goes, Sid, he goes, I'll have the little, um, 10 quart coolers. He goes, we can give that to $500 sponsors and thousand dollar sponsors, you know? So the, the whole idea now is to start fine tuning and make it, make it, where somebody wants to be, you know, a corporate donor and, and that kind of thing. And one thing we're not, we did this and people came out, but we're all looking like what well, we could do, but not thinking about that at the same time, the people that put faith and came out didn't know what they were going to get. Right. So to a certain extent, all of those that came out put some faith in us that it wasn't going to be a waste of time. Correct. Cause, you know, and then they came out and we had, we had, like I said, 127 people on the run and 270 some odd for crawfish. A lot of the, a lot of them weren't both, but yeah. still, give or take, we had just under. Well, that's not. That's actually sold tickets. So when that's you count, including us, that's include, So we had over 300 <laughs> people at yeah. an event, yeah. and nobody went home hungry. Everybody had plenty to eat, plenty to drink. A lot of people won prizes. Everybody that went out on the run had a good time. I, I mean, so hopefully we'll get the overwhelming majority of those people back and you got to think that some of them are going to bring friends. So next year yeah, we're eventually going to have to cap it probably at 500 just because of safety. But Well, that that's my whole thing is, is now we kind of know what we can fit in there. I mean, in all reality, we know that we could go a little bigger tent so we could keep the sound system inside of there and we could fix the, the raffle tickets a little better. You know what I mean? Make an area in the back of the tent, maybe wall that back side of the tent off. You know what I mean? Things like that to where we can funnel them through and get people that want raffles can go get raffles. People that are, because it was kind of, it was segregated. And it's not that it's a bad thing. Like I said, it's all part of the learning process. Yeah. We had a lot of people ask if they could help. Well, that was the, man, if I can't say enough about the people, we didn't recruit a teardown team. But nonetheless, there was a teardown team. Yep. We didn't have to ask them. It's just the kind of people that come. You know, not everybody ran like rats, you know. Um, right. And, 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 of course, Cameron Gordon, Al Solano. Like, every time we do an event, those guys, you know, Al Solano's got the moniker. He only shows up for hard things anyway, right? I mean, so, but you just and, – and there was more. I'm missing Keith O'Hara. There's, it's just – you can't say thank you enough to those guys. But, yeah. you know, we, we're talking about the event and all, but we really haven't talked at all about – 10k as an organization right chino's here he's all quiet and here we all running at the mouth we gotta let chino run for a bit tell us about 10k i'm enjoying man the conversation about but above all uh the relationships that have been built throughout this process yeah i was thinking about today and um and i said man what's at the core of uh of of what made and what has made 10k work and it's relationships you know Good relationships have been built with people um, that are that are so given, and um, and and I think that's that's what I've learned throughout the years that within this organization, it's like, what has this organization taught you, and why has it been therapeutic for you? And I and I came to the conclusion of two things. Number one, it um, it uh, strengthened the relationships that I have with people. Um, to appreciate Southern hospitality, man. I love it so much. <laughs> man, if I could tell you something about, and, and, and I'm not trying to divide um, America, but but uh, 
Southern hospitality is just so special, man. I I came out here to uh, to Florida after leaving the military, and I and and I tell people what you the beauty of Floridians is that often what you see is what you get. Yep. You know, and I'm I'm that type of person. And um, so, like, if I don't know something because I'm just a city boy that loves the country, and I say, hey, what's that? You guys are just so welcome and say, hey, this is what that is. It ain't shucking. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't sucking. It's shucking. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We, we got to get Cheeto. We, we got to get Cheeto in a duck blind. See, yeah. the, real, the real yucking up that happens during hunting season, right? Oh, Small game season, duck blinds. That's where the real chicanery starts out, man. Yeah. We did it. We did, I was fortunate enough to get to take him alligator hunting, and that was the funniest, most craziest hunt I've ever been on in my life. You know what you, you know? do? We need to take Chino Moorhead hunting. Oh, yeah. Oh, September Lord. 1st, market. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, we have you even have you ever posted that? Probably because my foul mouth, you know, you couldn't put it on anything because it was it was it was funny. But I mean, the first thing I said to him was to tell me we're in the in the Marines or the Navy. Do you, is it the people in the Navy that eat the crayons or is it the Marine, Marines that eat the crayons? And he just looked at me like, boy. <laughs> It's like if you lost your mind, but and then it was all. I mean, it was a good time. Everybody yeah. had a blast. And well, the, the army guys eat paste, right? No, no, no. We just drink <laughs> coffee. That's yeah, it, pretty much. <laughs> drink coffee and dip. You know, yeah. <laughs> pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. told by a marine that the army guys eat the crayons and they know how to use them, but mm. you know. I don't know. I've heard so. that always the other way around. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, so we what, know the Marine didn't read it anywhere, but go ahead, Chino. Yeah, I'll talk about Tinkin here in a second, but it was but, not um, a military guy. You know, one thing that I that I learned about Southerners uh, early on in the military is that um, I was more attracted to to Southerners uh, because I grew up in New York City. And uh, the reason why is because in New York, everybody lives in the concrete jungle yeah. and everybody wants to be a high head when it comes to a, to a firearm. You know who and, you're you know what I mean? To? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of barking, you know, going on. Yeah. And, and I knew uh, during my war time that, that the people that I could really, really count on getting down were the, you know, were the Southern boys, Floridians, you know, people from Georgia, <laughs> Texas, because they grew up in this environment, yeah. you know, in the in the right environment of being able to, you know, uh, see a target and, you know, take right. that target down. Well, and and in all fairness, too, people that grew up in the South, it was God, family, and country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's and that's how it should be, I think. Yeah. You know, and we. It was just everybody called us these crazy people down south, but the whole point was is that you helped everybody, you know what I mean, no matter what. And if they looked lost, you say, hey, are you lost? Can I help you? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you don't get that because I can tell you, I strolled around the city streets of New York. I was in downtown New York walking by the New York Ballet Company. I had a dude look at me, boy, are you lost? And I'm like, no, sir, I'm not. I know right where I'm at. He goes, where are you? I said, I'm in New York. (laughs) He's like, you're not from around here? I said, no, sir, I am not. (laughs) You didn't even have to open your mouth, and he knew you weren't from around here. (laughs) Right. As soon as you opened your mouth, that cinched it. And the the crazy thing is my sister had never seen a carpetbagger, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody that begged on the streets. And 
she comes running over to me and she's two years younger than me. She comes running over to me and she goes, Hey, hey, have you got any money? Have you got any money? And I'm like, for what? She goes, that lady right there and this lady, it was cold. She had on this big thick jacket and neck racked up. All you could see was her nose and her eyes. And I go, she wants money? And he goes, yeah, I said, right here. And I gave her five bucks. I said, go give it to her. So <laughs> she runs back over and we're hanging out while my dad's playing in the, in the ballet. Yeah. And <laughs> she hands her the money. We come back in and talking to my dad and we thought we did a good thing. He goes, what have y'all been doing? She goes, oh, we gave five bucks to this lady out on the on the sidewalk. Quit giving people money. <laughs> it was, it's just a different different temperament. Yeah. And you know, down here, everybody helps everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's left. And I can and I can appreciate that because I've kind of been to some places where they look at you funny just because you yeah. walk different. You know? I was disappointed with New York when I got back from uh, you know, from fighting the war. Yeah. You know, I was expecting to get back and and just see so much camaraderie and brotherhood and people, you know, who loved, um, who, who, who appreciated, um, what's been done for them, right. you know, um, especially after the city had been attacked and all of that. And, yeah. and, and there was none of it, none of it. And it just, I felt so disgusted with, yeah. with, uh, that environment, um, it was probably six months later I was living here in Florida. I came down just for a quick vacation. Yeah. And, and I just loved what the state and the people that live in the state represent. And, um, and I'm proud to be a Floridian. You yeah. know? And, uh, and to be um, in fellowship with, with um, my brothers and sisters from the state. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's three guys in this room that can tell you what that brotherhood is inside the military. There's three guys here that have no clue what that's like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's when you when you come to Florida or you find that place. It could be Colorado. Mm-hmm. It could be wherever. You know, the when you find that and you get somewhat of that feeling back after, you know, you've been in for however long that you've been in there. The you know, it's it's one of those deals that nobody understands but you guys. You know, I will give credit though to uh, those that do not serve but are actively involved in the in the hunting community and conservation, because what you guys are doing is um, is 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 what you see in the R three initiative. You know, mm-hmm. with uh, with uh, recruiting and, and the whole retention thing, and you're taking city boys like me that that you know yearn right. for uh, for something different, and um, and I love it, man. I'm extremely grateful for um, what you guys have done for, for people in my position to be able to kind of get out here and, and learn hunting, learn, learn fishing, and, and then also want to take that and, and, and introduce it to their children. Yeah. You know, my kids are so far removed, even though they're one generation from, <laughs> right. uh, from their daddy and their mama being, you know, from New York City. Yeah. They're so far removed um, from, from that because of the environment that they grew that they grew up in and the activities that you guys have provided um, for for young you know men and women yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what tin can does too though you know I've been hanging out with you now for a couple months but I don't think I even know what branch of the service you were in I was in the army Got not you. a crayon eater <laughs> <laughs> so and you were my, my you daddy were in, was a crayon eater <laughs> You were in <laughs> Afghanistan, Iraq, or both? So I fought in Iraq. Gotcha. You know, I was um, I was field artillery, and uh, if Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I was field artillery, and uh, boom. 
And I got into it because the recruiter was like, do you like computers? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got, be sitting we, in a knock, baby. We got the right job for you. So Listen, I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the very few people that joined the Army that can tell you for a fact that my recruiter did not lie to me. Because I walked in there and I said, I want to be a Cav Scout. He said, no, you don't. And I oh. said, yes, I do. He said, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. It's the only thing I'll sign. And I signed for it. And I was that for eight years. And I was like, you know what? I don't want he to be right. Sergeant right. White was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was doing computers, all right, but it was inside of a tank. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I loved every minute of it. Um, but uh, Oh, you were in that B-5th, Bradley? I was No, I was actually a 13 Foxtrot. Okay. So with MLRS, the people that shot all the missiles in Desert okay. Storm. Um, so uh, I loved every... You were every, killing the Patriot missiles. Um, no, actually, Patriot missiles... Um, was that the first offensive? So, so, so ADA Patriot missiles. Okay. Yeah. They actually shoot down incoming missiles. Correct. Them guys saved my life when I was in Iraq. Um, we had uh, Scud missiles coming in mm-hmm. to take us down, and I remember I was going out there to take a piss, and <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "If you see something, you got to yell Scud." And I and, and obviously I saw this missile coming toward us, and uh, and I yelled Scud, and and. Um, I was supposed to put on my mask and everything. And I was like, they wouldn't let me in. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's his fault, yeah. not mine. That's so, the table. Yeah, so they wouldn't let me in. And I'm like, dang it. So I, I literally um, I lied underneath um, underneath uh, the tank that we had in. And I was like, shoot, if I'm a dog, I'm a dog with my eyes open. I remember looking up into the sky, seeing that thing coming down. And right before it hits us, yeah. you know, 88 takes this thing out. And I'm like. Dang, Isn't I didn't that even, crazy? I didn't even know they were there. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, fantastic, man. And that technology, to me, yeah. that's the part that I like, you know, is how can you have a missile intercept a scud that is that literally, I forget what the time it is from time mm-hmm. of launch to impact. It's like next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And they take this thing out halfway into it. And I'm like, how do you do that? Sid, do you like computers? <laughs> I, I would be the dude on the ADA going, he's coming here. There's your coordinates. There it goes. You know. So, Chino, tell us what is Tin Can's mission? What, what does what does Tin Can do? I would say, uh, before I answer what we do, I would say uh, why we exist. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, and I would say Tin Can exists to. Um, impact the lives of veterans first responders and their families and um and what makes the organization different um is that uh that family aspect plays a vital role in in their growth you know my kids i i i don't necessarily look at them as like man they know a thing or two about ptsd because they're my kids um but when you sit back analyze how are these kids affected because of your mood swings how um you know how your trauma and 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 the ups and downs of of how you as a veteran navigate that they they're impacted by it. your wife is impacted by it she you know my wife um has seen and 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 has had the experiences of my nightmares where i'm like you know in the prone position on the floor and she's like what are you doing you know and she's scared to like tap me or this or that and um so to be able to have an organization that creates opportunities and memories 
uh, for the loved ones to kind of like, man, daddy got some issues, but he's pretty good at this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, especially when they were never part of your uh, military experience. It's, uh, it's, it, it, I think it helps um, develop tremendous character in, in, in the wives and kids and, and, and say, I see a difference in this man. You know, especially if that veteran that's being impacted by the organization also right. volunteers because all of a sudden they, they, they make a transition from from just, uh, I don't know, whatever it is that they're going through um, and uh, and just being a contributing, uh, you know, person to, to, to helping others. And I never knew, never ever knew in my wildest dream that helping others was also going to help me. Yeah. And, and and I'm grateful for that. So well, and you're, you're given a purpose again. Yeah. You know, everything that you did in the military was your purpose. That's what you mm -hmm. did. You woke up every day to achieve the goal that was set before you. Yeah. And when all that's gone and it's done, and not to mention you've had, you, you know, you're looking at, you're seeing your life flash before mm -hmm. your eyes. Now you're like, you know what? I know what that dude's going through. I can talk to him about it because... I can I can empathize, but I, I cannot understand mm -hmm. what it's like to look at a Scud missile coming at me and yeah. thinking this is it I'm about to die, you know. So from an outsider's perspective, looking in, <clears throat> the way I I've seen Tin Can, I've explained it to it as as far as PTSD goes, and to explain it to other people who don't uh, have any idea, the simplest form I can, can think to explain it is everybody has a cup. Some people have a polar pop cup. Some people have a shot glass. And post-traumatic stress, that cup fills up and runs over. Some people have enough cup to where it doesn't fill up easily and doesn't run over often. Some people have a, cup, a small enough cup to where it runs over all the time. You have organizations like Tin Can that help you put holes in the side of that cup so that it has a place to leak from before it gets to the top. Yeah. Yep. Whatever you're doing, man, from... I haven't now known you for a couple of months. First time we got together for breakfast, you mentioned there was good days and bad days. Well, man, at least from the outside looking in, you don't seem to have a whole lot of bad days, man. You are, you seem to approach life always, at least my experience with you, from a glass is half full, if not three quarters. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. I, you Because know, it goes, we all tend to be our own self, our own worst critics. And I don't know if that counts for you, but... As a guy that's spent a fair amount of time chatting with you, there ain't a whole lot to criticize from what I can see. It's been fantastic. So if that's happening to you, all I could say is that sucks, and I wish it weren't so. I appreciate but, that. You know, you you are a fine man, and I, I can't. I, I love working with you. So, so there's been a lot of work going on, no in, doubt, in my life, uh, and I do have bad days. I wouldn't say bad days. I have bad times you know uh, three hours before coming over here i i was bawling my eyes out man you know <laughs> because i was i've been so busy that i let some things get out of hand and um and when i realized that because i was effectively i was actively working on what i let let get out of hand i was overwhelmed um by by it you know just uh, just not having balance and 
And when I don't have balance in my life a lot, it, it, it bothers me. It affects me tremendously because I'm like, man, I was working so hard on this that I let this go. And, you know, so I think the holes analogy in a cup is, is fantastic. I've never heard I've never heard of that. Um, what we have used in the past as an organization is uh, we helping veterans move from post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic uh, growth. And um, and it's just kind of like being aware of your emotion, what 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 gets you there. And, and Matt Burke does a phenomenal job also, along with some other guys at being like, oh, you're feeling kind of down. You're, su- you're feeling suicidal. Let's go out today to like go hunt a hog. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, bro, you know, like uh, he's he's real hands on. Um, I'm, I'm not a, so much of a hands on guy in the field. Um, but uh, but I contribute tremendously to the uh, to the organization. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so 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 CAN stands for Christian Adventure Network, and um, and our founder uh, has you know was uh, the the organization was was the and the idea of it was given to him by God, including the name. Um, and I can see how he incorporates the Christian aspect within what we do, and I like it. I like that on Sunday mornings, if we're going hunting, we'll gather 30 minutes prior and just kind of have a bonfire, and we'll just start talking about life and, you know, the things that are thrown at us and how we deal with them. So it's more like uh, eavesdropping, you know. Uh, you, you eavesdrop into the conversation, and you're impacted by it, but it's not really pushy at, like, you need to become saved and become a Christian so Matt's Burke's, Matt Burke's heart has been in, um, in, in, in helping people with the spirituality of, of being a Christian by, um, you know, primarily through his actions and small uh, seeds of, of um, you know, my God has helped me through some difficult times. Right. Yeah, they're not a, <clears throat> the one thing that I really liked about it and it's kind of how I've, I felt like I wanted to be as a Christian is because people are put off by the guy standing on the corner. And that may not be my mission. That may not be how I affect a person or help a person. But so many guys are standing on the corner, you know, heaven or hell, turn or burn, you know, kind of thing. And there's a lot of people that, that they, don't, they don't understand their conviction and they don't understand why they're on the street corner every day because they have that conviction. They want to try and save as many people as they can. Mm-hmm. What I love about Tin Can, and I've been, I've done many camps, what I love about Tin Can is they accept you where you're at. And they're not going to make you, you know, um, become baptized. They're not going to make you accept Jesus in your heart at the campfire. They're going to tell you what they did that made your life better. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it's so it's, it's not... Um, there's always going to be that one person that doesn't appreciate it regardless. I don't care what you say. But I love how they they do that, like you said, where they plant little seeds of faith yeah. you know, into these kids and into these things. And for me, it's always been show them that there's a, there's a, there's a better life without showing them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, and lead by example. You know, teach them to be leaders and, and that kind of thing. And that's what I loved about it when I first started getting into it back seven years ago when we had, uh, there was a young, Matt didn't even come to the event. He mm-hmm. didn't even know who we were. <laughs> he was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But he came the second year 
And again, I think that Southern hospitality that you speak of, you got 200 rednecks all driving airboats and mud boats and spitting and, you know, drinking beer and doing whatever. But they were still, they still believed in the cause and they still believed, you know what I mean? And that's for me, you can rally people around and that's, that's part of that Southern hospitality that helps drive an organization. So, but the crazy thing is, Again, like we like we were overwhelmed with this event. Mm-hmm. Tin Can right now, I know Matt is very overwhelmed because they are probably one of the fastest growing organizations I think within the United States. I mean, they're opening organizations in just about every state now. Yeah. So, and I I can't even begin to fathom how to how to herd those cats. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> you know, we're focused on vets. And first responders, and certainly they are more prone to events that might overload the cup. But and occasionally we talk about this on the podcast, but I think that one of the things that's not just affecting vets and is just the fact that being a man is lonely business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that, and I know that this is not really cool with the whole society right now, but the reality is, is regardless of what's being maybe espoused on social media and things, let's face it, men are supposed to keep the dragons at bay. We are expected to be providers. More and more pressure is put on us also not to be able to vent. Let's face it, because the reality is that sometimes when our cup's getting a little full, what we do is yell. Or, you know, back in the day, you know, I mean, throw hands, you know. And and not every fight is is blood sport, right? can't do that anymore so it all pens up and and in my business i have a lot of conversations with men because a lot of it starts with money but then it goes to family and talks about what do you want what's your end goal what are you feeling and that 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 feeling essentially of even though we all have friends that that kind of loneliness because we also don't talk that's one of the biggest things right if you have problems Let's face it, man. I said, if you're having problems, I don't really want to hear them. You don't really want to hear my problems. <laughs> I mean, so the, the mode has to be right, right? Because we're all carrying our own burdens. Right. And, but the, the funny part about it is we are also all sharing some very common burdens. But we all, as men, think that we're the only ones. And because we don't talk about it, we think we're alone. And that's what I mean by men, being a man's only business. But the reality is a lot of us are all dealing with the big pressures of how do I – run my business, bring income into the home, keep my wife happy. You know, I got kids I have to be a, a father figure for. Um, and all those things that are, it, whether they're, I don't want to say they're exclusively men because we also do some nurturing, but let's face it, moms are better at that than we are. You know, it's like we just think like it's only me, and mm-hmm. it's not. It's yeah. really common, but we all think we're alone. And, and the biggest thing is most, most of us are all guarded. I can remember a very distinct conversation of one of the first. It was supposed to be bulletproof. The, the first, the first phone conversations we had with everybody in here, and your real name is Frederick. Freddie. Freddie, and he was like, "No, nah, just call me Chino." <laughs> that, I mean, he was very serious about it yeah. when he said it because he didn't know us from Adam, and he was like, "I saved that name for my closest friends." I mean, we could probably call him Freddie now. I'll say I like, <laughs> I like but, to think we're probably close friends now. But I wrote a letter to Jimmy the other day, and and I purpose purposefully signed it 
with my government name. I put Freddie. Yeah. Government name. Yeah. Like government name. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I he's did, got Chino on his arm, so. That's because I forgot my name one time. You know? oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I went through an identity crisis before that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. No, um, and. Uh, that was a great letter, by the way. It was very well received. Appreciate it, man. Um, I just, I don't know. I was, uh, I, everybody has always called me Chino. And then my, my nieces and nephews, as they got older, like, Uncle Freddie, you know, and my brother calls me Freddie, my sister. And I don't know, man, it just sounds, it, it just, it resonates with my, with my spirit, um, that there's a, a deep bond, a relationship, you know, of, a uh, a caring relationship, you know? So right. I don't know, man, but I appreciate, uh, you, uh, I'm okay with you guys calling me Freddie. <laughs> I, I, listen, and, listen, and Chino. I'm good with Chino. Hang on, listen, Chino, I get it, okay? My brother is the only person, not my mother, not my father, not my wife, is the only person that William. calls me William. I was going to say, but... Yes, he introduces yeah, but, me as William, every, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, listen, but yeah, my name be- is Will. Okay, we grew up, and I was always William as a kid, right? And But I wanted to be called Will. My wife calls me Will. She calls me babe most of the time, unless I'm in trouble. Uh, but <laughs> it's always Will. And every time, hey, William, I'm like, but it doesn't phase me when he says it. If somebody, if you walked up behind me and said, William, I wouldn't think you're talking to me. Yeah. I, I've been so used to being called Will. Yeah. I was talking I was, to him. I was going to say, you, you have to understand, though, that, that the bond that we have as brothers is we're, we're more than brothers. We're best friends. So... To me, I mean, it's, I've just always called him William. So I referred to him as William. And I, I tell other people at the time, I'm like, yeah, William. They're like, who is William? Yeah. <laughs> he, he referred to you as William one time when we, you know, we first started getting to know each other. And I was like, who are you talking about, William? Your brother? And he goes, Will? And he's like, yeah, William. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you hang out with him enough that it becomes interchangeable. Because I, I know you often refer to him as William. But I'll never call you William. You're Will. Yeah. But in the same conversation, if he's talking about William, I'll reply back to Will. And the funny <laughs> thing is, is I have to think of I don't do it. It's not even conscious. Yeah. It's just uh, how, well, that's how I am now. It, it always bothered me when I would see people like, you know, address Eminem as Marshall. And I'm like, Marshall? Who's Marshall? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that dude? You know, but now I understand. And I'm like, man, it must be nice to, to, to have... To have that, I, I get it, you know, and I hope that uh, that the listeners are can can ponder upon this little simple, um, you know, conversation of getting deep uh, into into relationships where you're like, man, I never thought about that, but it really, I like I like my name, depending on who it comes from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you know, so so also consider, you know, who has allowed you to be in that position to you know to value that you are calling them you know by their yeah. specific name i was gonna say that that comes yeah. down to like some of my you know a, lo- a lot of people that i know call me jordan but some of my very closest friends call me krebs okay because not only are those, those are people that i was very deep with in high school because of football but when i went to the police academy i made some of the best friends in my life that i've ever met yeah and those people still call me Krebs. And people that I've met through those people call me Krebs because they only they only ever knew me as Krebs. Yeah. So 
I can see that, man. Yeah, and, and especially those that were in the military. Hey, Batista or whatever. That's yeah. that's. Uh, I've got friends in the military, from the military, who like uh, I know them by their last name. I'm like, well, what's your first name? They're like, this is it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not calling you that. <laughs> <laughs> I like your last name better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got I got I'm a buddy. Do it. Perfect, perfect example. His last name is Eddie. We always called him Eddie. I was like, Eddie, what's your first name? Connor. I was like, I'm calling you Eddie. <laughs> You're Eddie. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, gentlemen, what? So I, I'll, I'll lead us off for it. For I dive in. For I kick this to you guys. One of my favorite parts of the whole event on Saturday, uh, that was Matt's daughter that sang the national anthem. Yes, yes. she did an absolutely yeah, amazing wonderful. job, and that really stood out to me. I can't tell you how many times I told her that she did an amazing job. He put her on the spot last minute. She says, "I didn't know I was singing today," but she got up there. She did a great job, and that really stood out to me. It's just a like the highlight of my day at that event was the national anthem. So, what stands out to you guys? Can I speak about her? Sure, absolutely. So I don't know anything about her other than she's saying that. Wait, did, did you get job. permission from Matt? I don't need permission. <laughs> 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 because I'm speaking about her character. Yeah. Not about yeah. her. Um, Adina and I, and I, we both share um, that we are subjects of Tin Can. You yeah. Know, I'm, a, I'm a subject of, of, of Tin Can because of the things that I've been through. Uh, with the organization, and she and she's a subject of Ten Can be as a as a young warrior. You know, uh, people will look at Adina, and, and just like you mentioned, she she is the epitome of like adapt and overcome. And uh, right yeah. now, she's going through police academy and all of that to be a law enforcement officer. Um, and um, and and that's one of the beauties of uh, of not only Ten Can but other organizations that are raising the next the next uh, generation of warriors um, because uh, a lot of that is being lost. Jimmy, you mentioned earlier uh, something that that just resonated with me, and it's that, uh, that uh, America needs a more defined rite of passage for young men and women. I did not know that such thing existed because uh, where I'm from, uh, in New York City, a rite of passage uh, is could mean many things, uh, from from a gang initiations to uh, uh, to a young man's and a young woman's sexuality. You know, now you a man, <laughs> um, and um, and I see that some of these organizations are, are taking you know uh, the youth and saying, hey, uh, we're going to take some steps here to teach you how to become proficient at firearms, understand conservation, um, be a law-abiding citizen. And, you know, you don't look at firearms as just a gun, <coughs> you know. It's, it's, this can provide meat for the next year um, if you take advantage of, uh, of what has been put, you know, in our, you know, in our hands and in, in responsibility. So I, I'm, I'm happy for 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 not only Ten Camp but also other organizations that that take young men and women and um, and develop them to to uh, become you know just great great people to be leaders. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, I mean, there's so many followers that it's I scratch my head because it, it's just the way I was raised, and I'm I'm an old timer. So I will bet that you had men, both your father and other men. That somewhere about the time you hit fourteen or fifteen, 
stopped talking to you as a child and started talking to you as a man. That is sadly missing. In fact, there's a lot of people that when you all of a sudden take a 14-year-old kid, you start to talk to him as a man. I don't mean cussing at him and things. I mean, you start to speak to him in the same way that we converse with each other. You include him, right? You, you ask his opinion, even though a 14-year-old he has no perspective and half time. It's, it's kind of interesting some of the stuff that comes out of the mouth. And sometimes absolutely shocking as to like how observant they are and do figure things out. But I think one of the things that we talked about society and rites of passage and mm. things, we're, we're killing young men by not, because they're not 18, but not treating them as men. If you, if, how, do you expect to, how do you expect to take a young man and all of a sudden you think he's just going to flip a switch at 18 and have it all figured out? Man, you've got, you got to put him in some big boy stakes. Let him figure a few things out. Make some mistakes in a controlled environment and grow the hell up. And then when they actually become men, they really are men. You know, I never thought about it, like what you're saying there. But when it came to hunting, like that was our defining moment. You, you reach a point where like it, it was, there was a time where we hunted with dad. That's what we did. And then dad would say, okay, I'm going to walk you to your tree stand. And then I'm going to sit, you know, over here, but I can still see you. It's okay. And then we reached a point where he's like, all right, where are you hunting this morning? I'm like, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to go over there. All right, <laughs> yeah. sounds good. Yeah, I, I take think, your gun and your light and wander off to the dark by yourself. I think yeah. one of the one yeah. of the like when he when he first started, like where Jim says, you had to transition people in. One of the first defining moments for us was when Dad said, "You know, we were still in the same stand as Dad, but he said, here's your gun. Like you're 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 gonna harvest, oh yeah you're gonna har- carry you're, you're gonna yeah. harvest a deer with this gun." I had an experience with a good friend the other day called me because his son his son had a, a cap gun. You know, the white handle, mm-hmm. cheap ass thing, old fat, old school, like all oh, we ran around and shot each other with them all the time, caps, right? Yeah. yeah, right. So he's at a park. Now he did a dumb thing, right? He, he you know, they're they're farting around with each other and thirteen year old girl comes up and they like they point the cap gun at her, you know, and of course she goes home and tells mom and dad. Yeah. And there, therein lies the problem. She told mom and dad. So police get involved in a whole bunch of other things. And dad's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. And, and, I, and I said, man, hold on. Let's, let's really take a look at what happened. He, he's a 14-year-old kid. He's out there having fun with his friends. And somebody who wasn't part of that comes up. And they included her by shooting Capcom at her. Nothing bad. Oh, but there's a story. And I understand where there has been these terrible incidences where kids are out playing around with cap guns or even get shot. But I said, set aside all of the shit that you see in the news and how that's being portrayed. Correct. And just look at what really happened. And your son's running a little feral, man. That's good for him. Now, you, you do have to have the conversation with him about how others perceive it and things. But if your son doesn't hear from you that you know he didn't intend harm and that he was out being a boy and maybe even say it's a shame that you can't live the way that I did because when we were, well, I don't know about you guys were all 10 years old, but certainly when Sid and I were <laughs> you know, 14, mm-hmm. If you weren't shooting each other with caps or throwing rocks and 
<laughs> Walnuts. Well, I, I mean, you would have been the real odd man out. Paint right? I can tell you, we had BB gun fights. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, I, I was going to drug that. I mean, the, the worst trouble I ever got in, I literally had a Daisy CO2 BB gun, semi-automatic. It was unheard of. Nobody had any of those. I could shoot five shots, shake her up again, and shoot five shots at you again. And if you did it too fast, you blow the CO2 out. Well, one of my buddies has one of the ones that's the 22 cartridge, you know, and it's badass. And he shoots one of my best friend's brother right in the head. You know, and I'm like, we told you no headshots. This is no headshot. And and I hear my boys saying that, but they're on their video games going, no, all headshots, all headshots. I'm like, man, if we called that when we were playing – We'd all have stitches. None of us wanted to wind up being blind, right? That was really what we were worried about. Even the younger ones in the group, we existed before airsoft guns did. We played the one-pump war. Exactly. There was always that one kid. You know when you got tagged, it was like, that's two pumps! I had a a red rider. I was that kid. Even before, like, we we still had red riders, but we kind of grew up in a rule setting. And uh, the, between our house and the neighbor's house, there was a fence, and it had grapes on it. it had a musket on, or a, a te- technically it was a, a scumpanon vine. And uh, before the scumpanons would get ripe, there were just some hard green balls. We would go pick the shit out of those <laughs> and shoot each other with slingshots. <laughs> I mean, with hard, rock hard grapes, shoot each other with them. That that's where I got. That's where I really got my expertise with slingshot. Because Jordan would try to hold our little like fifteen pound uh, rat, uh, rat terrier dog hostage. Like I couldn't shoot him. With <laughs> oh, the dog. He shot me in like the <laughs> face or something one time. Yeah. So y'all know what a horse chestnut is? Yes. No. So horse chestnut, it, when it's green, has it's covered in spikes. Jeez. So we in where I grew up, you had black walnuts and that sounds horse like chestnuts. a sweet gum. Oh no no no! These uh, are hard ass different. spikes. You yeah. bled when you got tagged. When you got tagged with a horse chestnut, chestnut you knew it, it. it. It pierced you right through the t-shirt, <laughs> man. But that, you know, we start. We used to have we used to have black walnut wars. We'd build forts because you get hit with a black walnut and it leaves a smudge because it leaves a black stain, right? Um, and your hands are all black for weeks. We go around and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but then. This kid Billy Lampart one day showed up to the Black Walnut Wars with a box of horse chestnuts, and every, <laughs> that put a whole new level of dynamic. We got real serious about defense at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. All right, back to what we were saying. What, what? Who wants to go next? What was your favorite part of the event? What stood out to you? The Briars was obviously getting flipped back over and pulled back to the ramp. But. Yeah, my boat got put back on the trailer, and nobody was hurt. <laughs> Man, that's a tough one because, you know, having having filmed the whole event, um, I got to see everything from the launch of the run to people running through the run, and then I come back, and I got to see the whole, like, crawfish boil take off. Um, I would have to say that the, the thing that stands out to me the most is when William got on the bullhorn, he said, crawfish are ready. Everybody gets some. I mean, that the tent was full of people, and the tent just turned into a wave yeah. of people moving towards that trailer. Nice. And then after people were had eaten a little bit, you get people that are coming for like wiping their eyes. They're like coming back for seven, it's like wiping their eyes. Like that was really hot, but I want some more. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, we even had a lady messages on Facebook asking uh, to find out what seasoning we used. It's yeah. his. That's what I said. I said, uh, I said, unfortunately, uh, it's I proprietary. do believe. It's like yeah. the Colonel's yeah. 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, I believe that was his special blend there. There was, uh, well, Sid, Sid's, uh, not that Sid, <laughs> Sidney Curtis. Uh, his girlfriend put some down, and she was like, "Jake, put that big around, you know." And then there was a, there was a couple of people that like couldn't get enough of them, and they they come up three or four times. Y'all got any crawfish ready yet? Y'all get any crawfish ready? When they gonna be ready? Did anybody get a, a surprise of having like a crawfish that was like three times bigger than the rest? So, of them? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another that's another thing I have like to bring up is it with Louisiana Crawfish Company hooked us. Up, man. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. We bought Field Run, which should have been a bunch of smaller crawfish. Yeah. They're raised, the Field Runs are raised in a pond. Yeah. So, but so they, they gave us both wild crawfish and, yeah. the, and the field. Brother, so there I, was some selection. Not only there. did we only oh, buy 1,500 pounds, and they gave us 1,800. At a, at the 1,500 was at a significant discount. And then they, we got 1,800. And they gave us more than just field run, bro. Dude. I ate like three crawfish. So I was like, "What? This is like a quarter or half of a lobster tail." Oh, I know. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, yeah, some of them were big enough. You could crack the claws, and you got you got yeah. the crawfish lollipop. Yeah. Yeah. You don't Listen, get that. So usually. now we're about I mean, to exercise so some southern hospitality that, yeah. of you guys schooling me. Yeah, <laughs> I do have to say that uh, Louisiana Crawfish Hunk Company hooked us up. To the max, and yeah. they will one hundred and ten percent be who we use again next year. Oh, absolutely, outstanding! Is there such thing as crawfish caviar? <laughs> like physically, like, like crawfish it, eggs? Like the eggs? Yeah, or yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think so because no, they're, they're down in a hole. They're in a hole. They don't carry them like a lobster mm. does. Or something. I don't know, man. I just I know that I. I bet I, there's a coon ass somewhere. Dude, I, t- I took off. <laughs> yeah. I took off some of the heads off off of them things, and it was like RNG. Oh and, no, that's the that's fat. the fat. Man. There's a question. That's the the stuff. Did you the suck mustard. the heads, Chino? Um. So. That was a yes or no question. <laughs> that would be a big <laughs> fat no. If you don't suck the heads, you're missing out. How would you know? <laughs> yeah, because I, I know, sucked man. the head. They, the ones I had had been in the bag long enough that a lot of the moisture run on. You didn't get that where you get the yeah. all the spice. Well, I got them straight out of the cooler. I I did not eat at all during the event. No. So I only ate me. after the event. So I had never eaten crawfish ever. What? Uh, up until that day. Uh, my my daughter, she loves it. You know, when we would take her to the buffet or whatnot. But that was the first time I've ever ever eaten uh, crawfish. Um, I've obviously eaten lobster, so I took off the the the, the top sh- the top shell, right, and then I would suck on the that portion right there, just cut that off, and then I would eat the the little tail, and it was fantastic. It took me about an hour to eat, you, you know, so, the bag that that, that was so given the, to me. So the trick with crawfish, is you take like when you eat it, you take from the the tail forward, you take like those first three shell pieces yeah the big legs rip, yeah you rip them off the t- the, the legs yep okay. well it's the, on the, the top, carapace on the, top. the yeah. first two two to three rings behind yeah. the you, carapace you, you tear rip those, those off. off pull them out and then it'll actually if you do it right it'll actually pull like the the poop shoot yeah. out with it exactly 
and then once you break it off of the head itself, you can pull the shell away, and the meat will just come right out when you pull the shell away. Or you just squeeze it right from the tail. Yeah. Nice. And then you take the head, stick the head in your mouth, and you crush it with your hand and suck all the juice out of it. <laughs> I did that a couple of times. I was really hungry, man. I, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I brought two boxes of donuts and all that stuff, and so the first time I ate that day was um was probably you know three four o'clock in the afternoon and it was uh it was a fantastic experience all by myself in my car <laughs> i'm like i'm bringing this to my daughter yeah and then my mind you know then i was like why you need to taste you, you need to have the full experience <laughs> so again man it boils down to um to uh being part of of different experiences um uh, with the organization and then obviously as a veteran or volunteer it it, uh, it it adds to to uh to my therapy you know to many to many people it may be just like just another event to me it's yeah. more than just another event i would say to me it's it, with every event we host i'm amazed at how you could take so many people from so many different walks of life and just get them to bond as one mm -hmm. for a few hours. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Um, how do you want for the beneficiaries of of um, of the funds that were raised, the veterans, women, you know, just kids or whatever that are going to participate in the activities um, um, that are going to be granted based on on, on what we're doing here? How do you guys want to be remembered? What is it that you want them to know? You say, you know what? I want them to know this. Coming from being a veteran and having gone through that transition of being being in the military and then going back to being a civilian, that there there's more. Don't let, not that it's a bad thing to be a veteran, but don't let that be who you are don't let the fact you know don't let ptsd run your life mm -hmm. it's, it's your life you live it and yeah you may have to deal with it but learning how to deal with that and and being able to push through it you've been through some hard times obviously if you have ptsd but there, there's more and and don't let it overcome you don't let it define you yeah. i think i think what you guys are doing is a is a perfect example of that you know it's like hey man you may not know this but a lot of people came together to to grant you this opportunity of outdoor therapy yeah. uh, ranging from regular civilians the people that came you know and participated in the event and then also veterans as a matter of fact you know the people that run uh you know outdoor um um under pressure outdoors. Yeah, under pressure outdoors um, are veterans that mm -hmm. that to them even the podcast is the therapy, the events that they do is is the therapy. There's so much more uh, to the depth of who you are and and, and what can can help you heal. Yeah. Um, uh, that uh, you just need to be involved and aware of 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 things. Jimmy, I'm always thinking about you. I don't uh, when it comes to uh, to uh, to. <laughs> To, to kids i don't know why i don't even know do you have any kids that are like 16 17 no they're 20 oh, 21 and 20 got you so you ain't too far from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but i used to work with a ton of them in scouts yeah. i mean I don't, what's the question behind your question 
Um, I don't know, man. I forgot, but it'll get. <laughs> <laughs> You'll think of it in a minute. Yeah, well, it'll, wh- it'll get back to me. While you're thinking about it, you asked about how it'd be remembered. You know, I don't need any personal remembrance from it or any. No, I, I, no, I don't even need a pat on the back. The number one thing that somebody could do. Yeah, if you explain to them how, how things got fun, it was say, so next year, come you know May 20th or May 20th, whenever we do it. Uh, I think 18th is, was the date we looked at for next year. Whatever the date is, buy a crawfish bowl ticket. And if you can throw a little extra scratch together, buy some raffle tickets when you're there. Yeah, support you those. Know, support. Pass it forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see exactly. what it's about. Yeah, what see I wanted to say, Jimmy, because I, I, I gathered my thoughts, was that um, I'm always trying to teach my kids – that someone will always pay the price for what you're not doing. Always. If I tell you, hey, I need you to take out the trash on Monday and you don't take it out, then most likely I will be taking it out. And if I don't, there still will be repercussions on the maggots starting to create and and all this other stuff. So I try to have my kids be aware of who is paying the price for the things that they don't do. Um, and, uh, I think, I think that's even for us as adults and, and as men, that's, that's also important. You know, if you don't do something, who's paying the price for that? Yeah, man. You want to kill an organization, just don't show up. Put yeah. off till tomorrow what you could have done today. Yeah. yeah. The Under Pressure Outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by Hang Free. With a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. We were talking about favorite parts. Um, if I can jump in here on that. My favorite part of the event was actually not during the event. It was after pretty much everybody gone home. Most of the chairs have been stacked. When a uh, fella brought the, I mean, what was that? Is that an 80? 100-quart cooler? Yeah. 100-quart cooler, three-quarters of the way, just slap full of crawfish, of which was interesting, too, like, the ones on top weren't that spicy, but as you wait your way into that pile, you got into some whoop ass. It was awesome. And you, me, you know, Sid, a couple guys just sitting around piles of crawfish, and we're just like the work is done. We're just kind of yucking it up, talking about life. And it was the the calm after the storm. And then yeah. even after you guys left, we did a little bit more just fine tuning, a couple more trash bags. Then I sat there with Will and Jordan. We pretty much we just, closed down the Jolly Gator. We did, yeah. but, you know, I was also watching, this is going back to how cool the Jolly Gator is, the The number of families that I assume were pretty local. They're just there, they're playing in the grass, the kids are running around, and uh, and that's something I just, you, don't, you just don't see that much today because there's so many neighborhoods. You just don't see kids out just running around being oh, kids. Yeah. No electronics. They're just playing tag, farting around with ants. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what they were doing. Climbing trees. P- climbing yeah. trees, yeah, playing ball, right? They were yeah. throwing that ball back and forth. Yep. So it was it was really the, the and we did chat a little bit about it. I, I kind of jokingly said, you know, boys, enjoy it. 
Basque why you can because although all that work tomorrow, nobody cares. Yep. You know, the reality is to get back to work. So, yep. you know, but it was, it was kind of maybe let's say basking in that feeling of we, we done good. That yeah. was good. So one of the things that I would, that I would like to see, um, throughout this Gator season is, um, is a couple of flags, um, with, uh, under pressure outdoors, uh, you know, logo on it or whatever, uh, just being flown on, on those boats and stuff like that, because there needs to be some sort of tangible symbolism behind the price that is being paid for these people to to benefit from this. And um, and that is my promise to you guys is that that um, when I train the individuals that are going to be participating in in the outdoor activities, I want them to make um, important um, the price that was paid uh, for for them to have this activity. Um, because the same way that I that I expressed earlier, that uh, our founder Matt Burke sits around a fire a bonfire, to um, to you know to teach people you know certain things. There's a uh, this tremendous value in, in making people aware of um, of what price was paid for your recovery, your 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 growth, and you know, and that's important. Just just. I, I, I guess I can trust this. Just as long as they don't, to please don't ever make it sound like we're owed. You're not owed anything, right? It's it's it's, yeah. it's uh, you guys know me, um, already, and and if you know one thing about me, it's that I'm a man of honor, and 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 to me, and and for making these people understand, it's not about you guys being owed. It's about honoring the yeah. sacrifice that was made, time that was given into the 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 putting on of this um um fundraiser um everybody gave so much you know um including the the sponsors for the raffle and all of that i don't i do not take anything um lightly that is given to me or to others so it's a it's an honor thing but i appreciate you we appreciate you yeah i do want to say that no matter what you know, kind of in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about what we went through during the event. No matter what we went through at this event, we 110% want to be involved with Tin Can with the event next year. Oh, we'd do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it will be there 100%. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole thing. For me, I guess the, the some of the takeaways or some of the things that I've, there were several things during the day. You know, one is to see all our hard work come to fruition, right? You you see that people that knew no that don't even know each other came together and did a great thing. It's kind of what he was what he alluded to earlier. Yeah. And for me, Jolly Gator, they didn't know us from Adam. They called we called them out of the blue. Hey man, can we have an event at your place? Because every county ramp was giving us a hard time. Yeah. And they're like, Yep, come on. And and never even never said, well, it's going to cost you a thousand dollars. It's going to cost you this, whatever. They were like, here you go. And that's that for me is the the highlight of how people come together because people truly want to help and they truly want it. They don't understand what they're helping, but they really want to help and they really want to do something. You know, at, at the end of the day, we had forty seven items 
that were raffled off. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it was the day of the event, the custom air rifles. He, he, I go, hey, where's that rifle at? He goes, oh, by the way, I got you a second one. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, you're yeah. just like. With, having run around a little bit now, what's pretty cool, and I'm not going to name them all, but you have guys that have their own, let's say their own silo. Like Joey Lyon, Ducks Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Dave Cosy, Ducks Unlimited. Chuck Etchanique, uh, Future of Hunting in Florida, right? Yeah. But the funny thing about it is it seems like if there's an event in the outdoor hunt efficient space and it's raising money for kids or it's raising money for vets or it's raising money for conservation, you know, I don't know if anybody really pays attention, but there are a certain number of guys. Sid, I'll throw you in there too, you know. I mean, I heard all of them. They're spending their money. They're donating their time. I mean, they, they definitely have things they focus on because you can't be the captain of everything, right? Right. But it's like they never seem to run out, right? They participate in everything. And and there's a whole bunch of guys that I, I haven't mentioned, but, you know, um, it is amazing how, how much – of the success that we have in or hunting and fishing, Newton Cook's another one has to be mentioned. Mike Elf, man, they're just their footprint is way outside of just what their core thing is. They support everything else around them. Yeah. So. Well, and that and the the big thing is is that what, and I don't want to get all political on this, but the big thing is right now the people that are anti-hunters and the people that are in higher positions than us that create laws and they do what they do, they want to make it so hard for us to, to do what we do that we fight amongst ourselves and we ruin it for ourselves. And we get frustrated. I, I know I get frustrated. And because you see the craziness that goes on at at Emerald Marsh. Let's just take that for instance. Yeah. You know, there's 40 people inside of Area 7. People are getting shot and they're fighting amongst themselves and they're calling the cops on each other and it, you know, all that stuff. There's no that sense of brotherhood or that camaraderie amongst the hunter, you know, the hunter population is there's not a lot of it there anymore. And that started mm-hmm. 15, 20 years ago. You have core groups of people now, and don't get me wrong, I've got guys that I hunt with that that's who I hunt with. And and we have that 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 camaraderie and we have that kind of thing. But what's happened is you get the different age groups and you get, you know, there was a I think I heard a story last or this past duck season. 22 guys, I don't know what lake they were on, killed a 22 man unlimited ducks. That's 22 people that hunted together, and they successfully hunted together. <laughs> Why can't we all get <laughs> into yeah. into the marsh and successfully hunt together instead of fighting over a spot and pulling up on somebody? So, dude, you're in my spot, you know, kind of thing, you know. Man, I think we could have a whole entire different. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say one word that I answer that for you: Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Of social media, yeah. make it two words. I, I yeah. think we could have a whole entire different podcast that, that that just circles around why people can't just be kind and hunt together. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, if you're sitting thirty yards from me, hey, come, come sit by on. me. Yeah, if you're gonna hunt with us, hunt with us, dude. I had I especially had, if you're coming in like after daylight, I, like just 
I've never pulled up on. I got Deeks man sit up and the spot I was planning on being in. (laughs) But if you're gonna sit, if you're gonna sit in my shooting flyway, just come sit with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for me, the my what I've always wanted to do, and it's what I've always told people for years, and anybody that's been around me for any length of time. I want you to do something in the outdoors. I don't care if you're not a hunter. Get on a bike, walk, take yeah. your dog, you know, just whatever. Just get outside and get away from a TV, get away from all the the social media. You know, social media has been the downfall of many a little girl because somebody called her fat and ugly or, you know, that kind of stuff. But and and even and, and among boys too, you know, but for me when you were asking what do you want the people to know, I don't want them to know me. I want them to know that somebody took the time, like you said, to spend every Monday for the last five months planning this event so that we can raise money to be able to take a Gold Star kid yeah. or to be able to take you know a, a, a person that suffers from PTSD. And I had my first taste of that long before Tin Can and helped you know a good friend of mine he was in the army he was in the first offensive you know and same thing like you you're sitting there looking at this missile coming down they were completely surrounded by the republican guard and they managed to slip two scouts out to get them back to the because they were cut off from their line and and their people and the 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 captains and you know whoever was in charge of that particular battalion that was on the move to the city they told them write your letters to home because they just knew they were going to come under attack and they didn't know if they were going to make it out. You yeah. know, for me, I can't fathom where you're. I've done some stupid things where I've thought, yeah, I was pretty close to death with that, but not sit there and think about, you know, what am I going to do? And what's my daughter going to do? What's my son going to do? You know, yeah, it's different when somebody else is about to put it on you. Correct. And, and so for me, what I wanted that to be was. I watched the guy that suffered from PTSD and he sat in a stand with me. He wasn't allowed to own a gun, wasn't allowed, you know, I think of Chris Kyle and all that stuff, but I took him out for a day. He still talks to me today about that hunt, Yeah, you know, and it kind of got him through. It was, it was a form of therapy, no matter how mm-hmm. barbaric you want to call it or whatever, but it was a form of therapy. And that's, that was my legacy. I wanted to make it better for the next person. Yeah. And pass it on to the next generation and teach them. You do it because it's the right thing to do. You don't need anything in return. I think the biggest thing about about a lot of the things that the hunting community and conservationists are doing is just being an example, man, of yeah. of, of what your life can potentially look like uh, during multiple seasons throughout the year, depending on what game you're harvesting. And, um, and just like Brian mentioned earlier, man, and I commend you for your statement, um, um, veterans and just people in general need to uh, start acknowledging that um, your experiences are are yes they are important but they should they don't necessarily define who you're supposed to be for the rest of your life so you know yes um, I do have a you know the veteran title and stuff like that but it's not the first thing that I tell people as to uh, who I am um, um, as a matter of fact, there was a, a quote that I had a, a, a while ago on social media. It says, uh, "If you want to know, if you want to know who I am, Google me. If you want to know me, just call me." Yeah. Um, because uh, 
people can Google your name and find out, you know, what they see on Facebook or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily, de you know, define who you are. They need to get to know you, you know. So, again, the relationships that these that this these experiences and people getting together is is what is what is at the core of uh, of men healing men and um, and uh, and just making an impact in multiple people's lives. So, yeah. Um, so we were talking about the space that all these other or. Um, individuals are operating in as far as so like hey they're going to multiple events uh, and it got me thinking where does um under pressure outdoors see themselves operating within that space well let you know when we figure it out yeah i was gonna say that's, that's <laughs> really good i mean I, honestly though i think it kind of is utility infielder we in the time that I, I was not a with upo when it first started in fact that's how i got here though is because you know the another organization we would do a cleanup or we and they were there mm -hmm. right small game hunts they were there they brought friends so this this whole this the these guys i know like once we decide to get behind and once we decide to get behind something as a group we get behind it um well i have good days and bad days but it just gets done and, and i because other people have asked me well why don't you just become a charity and, and part of the response to why not is I don't, I don't i don't know that we need another one right you've got so yeah. many charities that are already doing good things but every charity needs manpower so why don't we bring the manpower whether it's whether it is a forest cleanup whether it's a youth hunt whether it's fundraising and we're getting pretty good at the fundraising thing mm -hmm. and and when we say that what it really boils down to is there's there's then a handful there's another first circle and i mentioned some of those guys they come to everything. Many hands make light work. Many hands make light work. So we could. The only reason I would see us becoming a five hundred one c three, let's say, would then be so that maybe we could go in and get a grant, say, from license plate money. But I think it's pretty funny about what we would do is if, let's say, we got ten or twelve thousand dollars in a license plate grant, we would probably quickly turn that twelve thousand dollars into twenty, thirty, or forty thousand dollars. And give the twelve thousand dollars back so they can hand it out again <laughs> next year, and then disperse whatever we did. Yeah. And, and 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 trying to explain to folks like, well, don't you want to get paid from it? It's like, well, it'd be nice, but the reality just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right. It's it's. Um, we all have day jobs. We all work pretty hard. Mm. And I, I think I'm speaking for all of us, but please chime in. You know, it's uh, somebody's got to do it. We can do it. Why not us? The big thing. The big thing that when we did the the podcast, you know, back in January when I came in and we and we did it was the second one. I had struggled from the time in October, November when they announced, you know, the changes that came about. And I had struggled with who do we find that is gonna be a group of guys that believe in what they do and and do what they say and say what they do you know kind of thing um and came here for the podcast because i i enjoy just sitting and bsing and talking crap, yeah. you know telling lies and stuff and while i'm sitting here it's like all of a sudden it's, it's like an epiphany or somebody smacks you in the back of the head and i'm like these dudes should be doing this because i i mean i knew i couldn't wait for the next 
crawfish boil. When we, I've been to two of them, I think now, maybe three. I can't. Remember. You've been to all of them. Yeah, that's right. And, We've had three. You've been there yeah. every year. Yeah. And and for me, I was like, well, you know what? These guys are already doing a crawfish boil. Well, yeah. why not add the poker run? Now, to the extent it got. <laughs> Maybe I was a little off, but yeah, little did we know <laughs> that it was going to get put on ninety three seven country. So. Yeah, Dude, that yeah. was awesome though. It was I mean, it was two events, but there were two back to back events with a lot of crossover. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, I've thought about it a lot since the event, and I would love to know next year. And it, it, it may be way too much of a hassle, but I would love to know next year when you come and you sign up. Where did you hear? What brought you to our event? Yeah. Was it uh, a Facebook page you saw it on? Was it a radio station? Was it our uh, Facebook ad? Like I, I would love to know for future reference. For target where, marketing, yeah. Where yeah. do I need to target my marketing? Yeah. Was it the poster at the Jolly Gator? You know, exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. The one yeah. in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. Did you see it at, at Owens there in Eustis? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But there was so much. There was. I mean. We can all sit here and talk about everything that went wrong, but in the grand scheme of things, and the the people that I've talked to, they said, "Oh, if you were having problems, we didn't notice, other than the hiccup at the first or second stop of the of the poker run." And you know, the, for me, I'm just like, "Thank God." There, there was plenty <laughs> that went wrong, but in the end, it all turned out all right. Or a lot of people were looking for Correct. paper towels. I'm, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure we got paper towels. Where they are, I don't know. <laughs> Sheena so, was hoarding you know, them. I, I don't think that much went wrong. We had, <laughs> no. we could have done the registration better. We could have had a few more people to make it easier for people to pay so they weren't standing in line for raffle tickets. And we could have been a little bit more coordinated on the start. But as you said, people just ran out there and because we're all a bunch of rednecks and make our own fun. They didn't go out there and bitch and moan. They went out no. there and just start playing in the water, yeah, which is why they were really they there in the first place. And they went, you know? So... I don't know. There really wasn't like we could focus on what went wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. The focus on all the things went right. Yeah. We had 272. Well, that's paying people plus the other guests. We had 300 people eat all the crawfish they could stomach. Yeah. And people still got to take some and home. Still had and we raised left a over. pile <laughs> of money. And people had a great day. Dude, nobody, I don't believe anybody went from home from that bed, that event, and didn't sleep like a baby. If you were hungry when you left, that was your own fault. That was your yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, kind of the, the stuff that was a total surprise were the, and I call them celebrities, whatever, but, the, you know, we had Blair Wiggins, Jim Strader show up, had three helicopters land right next to the tent. The kangaroo. Like, yeah, the kangaroo <laughs> that was there. You know, yeah. had Carl, Carlton Ross and Ox Outfitters brings the kangaroo up, you know. Listen, and, I, I, told, I told several people, like, you know, I had a list of things I thought I might see today. Some baby kangaroos <laughs> was not, not on that list. Yeah. But that, for me, that whole thing is like like you alluded to. For for one moment in time, nobody cared who you were, where you came from, what you did for a living, whether you were a veteran, whether you weren't a veteran. You know, everybody just got together, had a good time, and and amazingly enough. Other than, you know, our, our our best friend Crash over here, um, you know, I think about those little things like that that could really just you know totally turn something upside down like that. But it all Was the pun I mean, intended there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I 
thinking about it. But anyhow, but but everybody had a good time, yeah, and it yeah. was and there were no there was no. You know, you're the rich guy. I'm the poor guy. There was no, you know what I mean. The kids well, played. Once they showed up with the helicopters, they pretty much trumped everybody. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, I can get, like said, like Sid said before, we started planning this like end of January. Yeah. And y'all had we, all the other yeah, stuff that yeah. you were doing. We get a date fixed now. I guarantee you, by next year, I can network with enough people to where you say we had some. Like celebrities, I'll get some celebrities. Oh, don't threaten <laughs> us with a good time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, they were you, you give me, you give Hank me a date. Parker. I, yeah. <laughs> Hank Parker. I don't know about Hank. Hank is his stuff's kind of all over the place, but I guarantee you, with a, I could probably at least get Stale Cracker there. Nah. Yeah. Guarantee it. I have his phone number. It's highly possible. Well, yeah, I have his phone number. I, I hit him up for this year, and I got his phone number and stuff. And uh, it was just he had already had some stuff planned, or he would have loved to have come. But so in regards to uh, to crawfish, the only ex- the only type of experience that I've ever had with crawfish is um, we this gentleman that you speak of, a uh, stale cracker, gave us. Um, uh, uh, pretty much one of them pallets or whatever to oh, actually paddles, paddles. Yeah, one of the paddles to actually um to to to, to stir that with and um yeah. and then I saw, then I became aware of his content I was like man this this guy's pretty cool you know so um but uh yeah he's actually law enforcement so. is he really Dude. yeah looking like Dude. uh look, he's looking. a state trooper <laughs> well it was Cracker I don't know was. if he still is uh, gentlemen I won't keep you here all night so we got some closing thoughts. I, I, I would say, you know, I had a really good time this year and I look forward to the minor changes we can make to make it even bigger, which is scary to think about and, yeah. and better next year. Yeah. I, don't know, I got a pretty big change that I think it would help a lot. Yeah, not, not flipping your boat. <laughs> yeah. By the yeah, way, I, nice. I do want to ask, have have you gotten started back up or I hadn't got it started. I just cleaned the carburetor out and I got it put back together this this afternoon before I came here. Okay, so I you, got the carburetor put back together. You have taken all of Sid's advice, though. Yeah. Right? Okay. Absolutely. There was no water and oil. That was good. Typically, there's not. It's in the cylinders. Where Just is, one cylinder had water in it. Was my only concern. Yeah. Right. You're now. fine. Just fog the cylinder. You'll be good. But you were going to say so, something. Your biggest. The yeah. biggest thing that you would change. Or... Yeah, it's not crashing the boat right before. Not ruining our little bit yeah. of quiet time we thought we were going to have first thing we got there. Yeah, so I said I was yeah. going to show up yeah. early to get some quiet time before. But Briar's like, I got coffee and donut holes. He comes after at like 11 o'clock. He's like, well, I got coffee. I'm like, too late now, buddy. <laughs> the donut holes are gone. Yeah. My closing thought's going to be, if you thought this year was good, just wait till next year. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I can second that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. We got a whole year to plan it now. It's not just five months. Yeah. Just not every Monday, not not right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jody was missing every Monday. He needed something in his life. <laughs> there was something. Now, but the as far like in closing thoughts for me, I think the one thing that I that I would love for people to remember from that event is that one moment in time nobody cared about race, color, creed, you know, anything, and they just had fun. They just had fun. They got out there. The kids were running around like I remember when I was young. You know, you were you were cooking food. Nobody was worried. You know, it was just just 
fun. And it was, it was, there was no free no for all relaxed. To me, that is the epitome of what a crawfish boil should be. Correct. You find somebody you don't know, you're sitting down next to people, everybody's got a bunch of food in front of them. You're talking. And it's, yeah, talking. Talking yep. and eating. Yep. My closing statement would be um, just uh, not only for this event, but also for any event that our listeners may be, you know, invited to is um, you don't know how you, you don't know the, the ripple effect of the impact that you're going to make. Correct. And, uh, you know, when you look at Eventbrite and you look at Facebook and any invitation that may come, yes, you know, ask yourself if you're going to be entertained and like the things that they got going on, but also take a small second to consider how, how, how big of an impact can, can my small portion contribute to the bigger picture of what these people are trying to do. Yep. Yep. So, so, so if you're listening to the podcast, give it a thumbs up, subscribe and all that. Because (laughs) Leave a review. I appreciate that, Chino. I do also want to say that you know, we put out this Facebook event, and then you get people, and you're like, hey, why haven't you bought your ticket? Because they're like, I don't know what I'm doing that weekend. I tell you what, I have a, a very fine solution to that problem. Tell me. If you buy your ticket, you know what you're, you're doing. That, that's that's what what you're doing. Okay. So when we post this event, you know, whether it be 10 months out or however, however long we post it out, if you buy your ticket, you have your plan for that weekend. Yeah. So. But it'll in in the long long and short of it, it'll make our life easier. With if we have a, if we won't have sixty three people <laughs> to hand right in, dude. Next year it's going to be worse. <laughs> it should be if it's bigger. Look, you could. It'd be nice to have more people buy up front. But you just know that if more people buy up front, there's just going to be that many more that are going to show up. Dip. Right. Just it's okay, man. What what the honest needs to be on us to be better prepared to handle it, yeah. and we will. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but there's also nothing really keeping us. You know, we're all talking, talking a little smack here. Nothing keeping us from putting the, getting the Jolly Gator on board. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they're on board, definitely next year. And that could be next week, right? If they put it in there and say, Start that's the date. You can buy yeah. your 2024 crawfish tickets today. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, before we close this out, I want to, you know, thank obviously the uh, Louisiana Crawfish Company and and all the many people that gave either a monetary donation uh, as a event sponsor or or gave uh, prizes and stuff for us to give away. Like you guys are the best, and I want to thank all you guys around this table and the guys that aren't here for making this event what it really was. Absolutely, yeah. There was a phenomenal team that got thrown together. And like I said, you four guys stepped up when you didn't have to. And that's, that's for me, when I sat here at that podcast, I'm like, these are the guys. This is who I should have asked two weeks ago. And, and, and literally, you, you were straightforward with me. You said, Sid, let us talk it over and we'll let you know. And it was like two days later, we're in. And then he goes, well, we got a canoe trip we got to do. We got to put wood duck boxes out. We got a DU event. And I'm like, when in the hell are you going to do <laughs> – Right you know, there in between. On Monday. That's when we did. But but again, like I said, I want to thank you guys because you guys stepped up out of some adversity and and uh, managed to to make it work, you know, and did it and we did great. You yeah, know, I, I think I do was. want to say though that, that as large as this event got, 
that there's absolutely no way we could have done it without you, Sid. Uh, I don't know. Oh, for that. sure. No, I mean, <laughs> we couldn't. There was uh, a ton of people that were there for Tin Can, yeah. and there was a ton of people there for Sid. <laughs> so, I mean, well. between the three organizations, there's no way. It, yeah. it, it could have never gotten that big without. Would you guys consider doing a podcast at the event? Oh, Lord. oh gosh! Lord. We're, we're Man, we were in that. I was how like, many, how many I more was volunteers? All in if it was low, we were doing a Facebook Live. We were. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say that probably setting something up for like a Facebook Live or something would be much better for the event. Listen, if I can do a just, Facebook Live for my mom's funeral, we can certainly do it for this. <laughs> we, we could do. We could do a, a TikTok Live. Seems to work out better for us. But. Yeah, we could do an immediate, like. Post crawfish boil podcast, but there's there's still a lot that has to be done. Everybody leaves you, you put everything together, yeah, and then I mean even just it seems like every time I turn around, I was like, oh, there's another bag of trash needs to be hauled to the dumpster. So that it would be and some heavy it would be like six thirty seven o'clock would be starting the podcast. It, yeah, you know? we we would have to have an astronomical amount of volunteers to be able to do one live at the podcast. Yeah, podcast live event. One thing I do want to say, because he did, he volunteered his time. He he uh, didn't didn't ask questions. I mean, he called me and said, "Hey, I want you to use my crawfish wagon," and that's Mike Spiker, Voodoo Daddy. Yes, mm-hmm. dude, that man so that Joker down. stepped up, called me. I didn't I didn't have to ask him. He called me and he's like, "Who's doing your crawfish?" And I'm like, "Well, we got you know the Ridge Ridge and and, yeah. and the different people." Ridge even said he learned a lot from them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joey Lyons already looking for that contact. Oh yeah, he he's already you. said yeah. something on their page. He's like, "Looks like we're gonna have a crawfish bowl in our near future for the villages." Du and I'm cracking up. Like, where's the yeah. Where's the Voodoo Daddy out of? He is actually north of Georgia. I mean, north Atlanta, of Atlanta. Georgia. North of Atlanta, Georgia. Really? Yeah. He came all the way from yeah, over I there. Came all the way down there, and um, and the he wanted nothing. You know, he said. If you need me to get the crawfish, I'll get the crawfish. He's, he can he can do all of that stuff. And he, like I said, with the timing thing, I think that, you know, at the same time, we could have worked out something where he could have grabbed the crawfish. Mm-hmm. You know, I was coming back from Texas, and I'm like, man, I'm coming right through there, but I'm a week early. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah. but the again, the big thing is that there were people – that gave and never questioned why they were given. You know, David Causey, the day of the event, Light Em Up Adventures, he says, hey, man, if you need stuff for the kids, give away another duck hunt. I'm like, what, what? He goes, yeah, if you need more stuff for the kids, he goes, give away another duck hunt. Just tell me that's what we're doing. Yeah. And I mean, it's that fast, you know, and it's so that's the, for all of us that are in it, that's what we're used to. But for the people that don't know, it's those guys that made it. You know, Clay Scheidler, Hang 'em High, uh, Voodoo Daddy Seafood, David Causey, uh, Teddy Shoop, um, Garrett Cave. You know, Geneva Dole. I mean, yeah, it goes on and on. I'm fixing yeah. to text David right now. Try to schedule a podcast. With <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely be interesting. I can promise you that. Oh, I know. Well, but, let me uh, let me go ahead and cut this off. Chino, Sid, thank you for joining us. And, uh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming up. Yep. Thank you for having me. We'll catch y'all next week. All right.